Welcome to Inside the Gridiron with Jack Borowski on Podsource, your home for all things NFL-related. Welcome to Inside the Gridiron on Podsource. I'm your host, Jack Borowski. On this episode, we are fortunate to be joined by Andy Sims. Andy is a sports agent who co-founded Players Rep in 1997 and currently oversees football operations at Young Money Football. Andy, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Honestly, it's a, it's a pleasure to join you. I, I like watching your work and find you on uh, social media. You do a really nice job. Thanks for that. Now, Andy, you work with some of the best players, the McCordy twins, Lane Johnson, just to name a few. But there's always a beginning to every success story. So how did you first get into the agency business? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I, I get asked that question a lot. And, it, and um, in any competitive industry or, or, or any business or anything you're looking to do, there's always, you know, you, you got to get your foot in the door somehow. Um, for me, I was in law school. Um, this was, uh, unfortunately for me, more than a few years ago. But uh, during law school, it's something I, it's something I really wanted to do. And um, I had done some sort of previous work um, in high school. I did, uh, I, I, had an, I had a short internship, an eight-week internship at IMG, which ultimately at the time was the biggest sports agency in the world. Um, so I got, got a little bit of uh, experience there, just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. In college, I worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers for a couple summers, just trying to get some things on my resume, get a little experience. So when I went to law school, um, becoming a sports agent was something I wanted to do. I wasn't sure how to do it. Uh, I wasn't sure how to take that route. I sent out a bunch of resumes and to, to different agencies, a few of which are still in existence now, but um, didn't hear back from anybody. Um, made a decision after my first year of law school. I was what, 20, 22. I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. How am I going to do this? I can't get a job with somebody else. So ultimately, I printed up some business cards, got a small loan. And so during my second year of law school, I, I'm like, all right, I go. I basically drew like a radius around Cleveland, Ohio, where I, where I was in law school, where I'm from. And I said, oh, I'm going to try to meet with some guys and do this on my own. And um, that first year, I signed a few guys, uh, none of which made it. One went to Canada. I did the same thing my third year of law school, and I did sign a couple guys, one of which went in the third round. Um, so that was after the 1998 season. And um, I guess I, I don't want to say it was dumb luck because I guess luck favors the prepared. I, I worked, I, I, I busted my butt, but I really, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting into, but, but I had a client and I had a, a third round pick. I had a little bit of income coming in. And um, from there, it was a matter of, okay, I did this. I got a client. Um, I had another client that year um, who was undrafted who made a roster. So then my following year, I had a fourth and a fifth round pick. Um, it was at that point where I sort of, um, I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I grow this thing? How do I make this into a, a real business? And long story short, Jack, I, uh, I, I never had to send out resumes. I, I, I finished law school, took the bar exam, um, met a lot of great people along the way, surrounded myself with some other agents at our company. Um, you know, at the time, Wesley Spencer and Dave Lee, who've been with me now since 2000 and 2002, respectively. And, um, you know, I think that was really the, the start, you know, getting some clients, getting in the door, learning the business on the go and um, trying to figure out, you know, how to how to grow it. And, you know, we 
it doesn't grow overnight. It took a long time. It's been, you know, 21 years. We've, we've put together a good firm. And uh, to be honest, it, it's, you're still learning every day, trying to figure out how to do better, how to stay ahead of competition. So in many ways, you know, those things you learn in those first couple of years, they, they don't change. You got to keep going with it. And Andy, a, a third round pick in Moscow. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. How were you able to like sell him on working with you at like, such a young age? I, I remember I mean, you don't have a lot going for you, right? You know, it's like in, um, in any sales business, you, you try to figure out, okay, well, what's my edge here? Why, why would this guy go with me? And I, I remember people asking me, even my parents at the time saying, well, why, is, why are these guys going to go with you? You, you know, well, what makes you, I said, I don't know, but I hope they see, I hope they see something, you know, and you know, you're meeting with people. I, I don't have uh, I've got this primitive little brochure. I printed up at, you know, uh, FedEx Kinko's or around the corner. Um, ultimately, um, you know, th- those first couple players, they, they have to just sort of believe in you. They have to believe that you're going to work harder, that, that you want it more, that you've got a, you've got, um, you know, that you're not going to let yourself fail. And I think sometimes, um, you know, of course I, I probably recruited, I, I don't remember exactly, but I recruited way more guys than I got. Obviously I probably got no about nine out of 10 times, but I knew if I could just get a couple guys to, to, to go with me, to believe in me, um, from there, you build off of that success. And I mean, I remember it pretty well. And some of those first guys, you know, I even look back and say, I, I, I don't know exactly why, um, why they went with me, but times were a little bit different, Jack. I mean, you know, um, you can kind of find a diamond in the rough in, in 1999, 2000, 2001. It wasn't, you know, and a couple of my guys were from bigger schools. A couple were from smaller schools, but you could, um, you know, it wasn't like you could just get everyone uh, out on Instagram and shoot them a direct message to get to them or, or get a cell phone number. I mean, sometimes you had to like get a number. Everyone had house numbers. Everyone had a dorm room number. Um, a lot of guys, no one had cell phones in the late nineties. So sometimes you were able to get a hold of somebody. They answered the phone when they were home. It was just, it was a little bit different and there still were a lot of agents. There were a lot of competition, but I don't know, maybe you kind of got a connection with somebody and you got a hold of them. And I guess that's the same principle now. Sometimes the guy just, a player just has a feeling about you and likes me personally. And yeah, you get a little bit lucky, I think. It's a little interesting when you think about it, how times have really changed in, in the agency business. Do you think it's it's much harder now to get a client than it was back then? Or is it just that times have changed and it's still just as difficult? No, it's a, that's a good question. We actually talk about that. Um, we talk about that a decent amount. Um, I think it's the only reason it's harder, I suppose, is because at that time there were probably four to 500 agents and now there's a thousand. Um, having said that, even then you were always competing with the top mark, the, the top agencies, right? I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's always, there's always 10, 10 agencies in the top 10. I mean, simple math. There's always, there's always going to be the, the firms that dominate. So, you know, I guess in some ways, maybe it was a little easier. Maybe it was easier to grab that one or two clients that were under the radar. Um, maybe, but again, it was, it was never, it was never easy. So the, when I came in, I got registered as an agent in 1997. And I remember about 10 years later, I ran into another agent that was, um, that, that got registered that same year. And I think there were probably, you know, there were probably about a hundred or so new agents that year. And I think at that point, 10 years in, there were like five or six of us left. 
And now, I mean, I, I don't even know, but there's only, there's only a handful that, that stay in. So, you know, again, I, I, I don't, I'm not smarter than anyone else. I don't do things that other people can't do. I tell anybody, of course, you can become an agent. Of course, you can get into the business. Just figure out how you're going to do it. Have a plan. Um, go after it. Um, don't be afraid of don't be afraid of some rejection. Don't be afraid of some failures. Because that's the only way you learn. Is you got to you got to go for some things. You got to learn from those things. And you know, fortunately, things things had a way of for me had a way of sort of working enough that I was able to keep building, keep building, keep moving forward. And, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's still everything. It's still a constant, you know, constant. I don't want to say a struggle, but it's always a constant battle to just try to stay, you know, stay on top and get better. So those lessons you learn early, I mean, they, they stay with you. Yeah. And Andy, you mentioning how many agents they're out of the business so quickly. So, I, I mean, just like any other profession. What was your, all right, I made it moment. Like this is going to be my future career and I've established myself as a NFL agent. I don't know. I don't know if that's happened yet. I'm still <laughs> waiting for that moment. Um, no, I, I don't know. I don't know if you ever feel that way. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I ever felt that. I think, I think there were some levels, maybe, maybe that point where, you know, you have some draft picks those first four or five years. And I think in our business, we sort of know the economics. We know like the business model is we make, we make the majority of our money and on, on second contracts, not rookie contracts. And that was always true. It's more true now than it was 20 years ago, but it, it was always true. Um, I think that point where some of those early clients are getting second contracts and we can really we we have a business model that really works, and we, we've we've now done a second contract. These other all my competitors who are saying, "Oh, these guys are young. This guy's never done a second deal." Um, the 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 playing field gets leveled when once you've done that stuff, and you know when you start getting some higher draft picks, and you know when you start getting the you know a few first and second round picks. I think those things you feel like it legitimizes your business, but but like I said before, I, I honestly. It's it's not even a joke. Like I don't know if you ever really feel like you've you've made it. I mean, obviously we have a very good business now, and and I love it. But I mean, like I said, I, we're still trying to get better all the time. It's really the second you get comfortable. I think that's when that's when you uh, that's when you start to you know maybe you start to drop off. And Andy, I, I mean, something that I think is is pretty impressive is how you're the first agent to have twins win the Super Bowl together, and Devin and Jason McCourty. What was it like to see them win the Super Bowl? Yeah, that was that was great. That was great. Um, I mean, they're they're they're, they're great people. Um, I know you've had the opportunity to, to obviously get to know these guys as well, and you know, it, it, I think that's the thing about our business is that it is a personal business, right? You know, it's um, what we're hired to do a job, right? You do the contracts, you help them sort of develop their career, strategic things and um, coordinate marketing and, and make sure they have the right financial advisors, all these things, right? But at the end of the day, you have a relationship. And for me, you know, it's, it's 10 years deep with these guys. And, um, you know, obviously they're, they're, just, they're just such, they're such great guys. And when you see clients, you know, get to enjoy that type of success, but also really beyond on the field success, just sort of, you know, Jason going from Tennessee where he loved it, but didn't make the playoffs to Cleveland where he's 0-16 um, to, you know, 
kind of working a trade to get him over to be with his brother, which was really such a, like, it was a pipe dream in so many ways, but something that we all wanted to happen, but didn't know if it could actually happen. The odds of it were so, were so slim. And so to, to, for him to be able to accomplish these things, play with his brother, and then Jack, to actually see it play out, right? To actually see not only Jason, you know, when he gets to New England, is he a fourth corner? Is he a starter? How's this going to play out? You know, he's 31 years old. Like, how's this going to go? But to see him play this season at such a high level, and Devin obviously at a high level as well, um, but to see these guys both play, to both play at a high level, to to get to the playoffs, to win, you know, to win the first game, to win the AFC Championship game, to see that excitement, and then to even get to the Super Bowl, you know, to see them sort of reach that pinnacle. I mean, together, you know, obviously it's just it's it's so it's so exciting, and it just that's what we're in this thing for. I mean, it's we, it's a business, but we have fun. Like I said, it's personal and to see, you see the brothers enjoy that kind of success together. It, it's, it's what friend, whatever you, you know, it's what, it's what they wanted and they did it. And it's such a, it's a, it's a really great feeling. For me personally, as a Patriots fan, I, I don't think anyone could have loved it as much as we did in new England. So I think, I think that was pretty incredible what they did there. So now I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about like contract negotiations I know we we not in the agents general managers always sees the final product, but what is it like during a contract negotiation as an agent? Um, I, I I'd say it I'd say it's nerve wracking most of the time because I mean you know I, I sort of alluded to this before. I mean as an agent, like you, how many contracts does an agent negotiate for a player in his career? And I mean the answer is. You know, usually uh, a draft picks four years, usually three, sometimes, some, you know, some shorter one, two year deals. How many players get to, you know, after year four for a second contract? You start looking at the percentages, right? I guess where I'm going with this is when you get to that point, I mean, and of course there's the rookie deal too. The rookie deal is pretty straightforward. I guess I'm referring to sort of that second deal, right? Um, we go into those, either it's a renegotiation or a player is a free agent. It's, you know what your objectives are. So you're, you're setting out where you think the market is, what are expectations. Um, we do the market research. You look at the salary cap. You're looking at the team situation. You're looking at your client. How do they fit in? Who are the comparables on the market? What have other players at that position, you know, in the past earned? Really, where can we go with this? What's our range, right? We kind of, from our end, we're prepared. We're prepared, right? And that's that's, that's sort of on our end. So then we get into this thing. And I think the biggest thing for us is we don't always know what the, what the teams are going to do. And so we can be prepared on our end and we can prepare our client and their expectations for what the next contract may be. But this is a wide range, right? I and mean, we don't know how a thing's going to play out. So that's the nerve wracking part is just knowing, okay, we're ready. We know what we want. A player knows, but how's this going to go down? So, you know, it, it, the thing is all about preparation, but then once you get there and once you start dealing with teams, then you really start learning, okay, this is what they thought the market was. This is where other teams are at. It's a simple economics, you know, supply and demand, who's offering what, and um, how can now, now, how does this actually play out? So all the preparation in the world is great and you have to be ready. But then when you get there, um, a little bit different sometimes. The way you're describing it, it seems like 
you never have this. But I got to ask, is there ever a time where you go in with a set number of what you want and the team just agrees to it? Or is it always a long, treacherous type of situation? I don't think I've ever... I, I don't think I've ever, again, this is for non-rookie deals. You know, the, the rookie deals are basically where the guy gets drafted. That's going to, you know, in large part, determine, determine the contract. Right. So we're, we're talking about veteran deals, guys going, you know, at, on that second or third deal. Right. The answer to the question is no, I, I don't, I've never, I've never had a really quick, straightforward deal get done like that. No, it, it, you know, here's my price. They say, this is, oh, we'll do it done. No, I, in my experience, I have never had that. Now, are times where the teams and I are closer together, or maybe maybe I hang up the phone. A team's offering. I'm just making up some numbers here. Maybe a team's offering four million, but I want you know, but I'm but I but I want six. And uh, maybe I hang up the phone and I, and I say to myself, "We're going to get what we want." I can feel it. You know, like you you know, based on the conversation, even though the team isn't offering what you want, you can tell some of its strategy or you know, maybe they're just hoping or they're playing their role or they're starting low, but sometimes you hang up the phone. You're like, okay, I, I, I can see this thing getting done. I, I, I can see it happening right where I want it, but it's never, it's, 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 uh, it's just never as straightforward as you want it to be, you know? And I think that's one of the first things I learned in, in, in negotiation is, and is that so much of it depends on the pace of negotiation. You know, when you go in, you know, you can say, if I, I mean, if I want to get a deal done right away and I'm, I'm excited about it and I can't push that too quickly though, because if the team's not looking to make a deal, then I'm basically end up, I keep moving my number. I keep trying to negotiate down. You have to be patient um, in these things. And so I try to read, I try to read the other side and, and, and what they're trying to do. And I'm always ready to, to, to get a deal done very quickly, but I've also learned that I can't be the only one doing that. If the other side's not looking to get a deal done or, they're kind of slow playing things and then I have to in turn do the same thing or, or the deal doesn't work, you know? Yeah. And with, with second contracts, I, I know first contracts, they're kind of already set in place. Second contracts is when things get a little hectic. And I know cause as fans of the NFL, we only hear stuff from Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, where players are going and being that you're the agent and you're actually involved with the team. How much of what the media says during these negotiations are actually true? I think that varies. Um, a lot of times agents are giving information to the media, sometimes accurate information, sometimes not. Um, I try not to do that stuff. I try not to play those games. But, you know, like when I'm in a negotiation, it, media people are calling me all the time to ask what's going on. I have a pretty firm policy on this. So I'm not going to discuss this. You know, I'm not going to discuss a contract negotiation through the media. And when I'm dealing with the team, I, I asked them at the beginning that, you know, I, I make sure they know that. And I ask them to do the same. Um, teams will use the media sometimes to put pressure on a player. Sometimes they'll put it out there that they're pursuing player X, who's a linebacker when we're trying to, when my client's a linebacker and we're trying to get that deal done. Um, these are sort of external factors that, I guess both, both, both agents and teams will use sometimes. I mean, you know, contracts are about leverage, um, about who has the leverage and who can kind of push the deal through. And I think sometimes you do use these outside sources and, you know, negotiating through the media is extremely frustrating. Sometimes you'll see a comment by, by, uh, by somebody, um, you know, talking about a team strategy and you're like, that's God, did the team put that out there? Did they want them to, did they want me to see that? Um, but, 
I think in general, I mean, there's some, there's some very good reporters. You talk about Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, like these guys are, they're pretty piped in, um, but they also know a lot of agents. And so their information is, is, is by and large pretty accurate, but it also, you also wonder sometimes is, is someone, are they being told something that, you know, by, by, by someone to affect the negotiations, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's what I, I've kind of understood at this point is you can't always understand everything that you're being told because everyone's trying to manipulate the situation to their benefit. Right. And, you know, sometimes if you're in free agency and, uh, you know, if you're representing a safety and all of a sudden, like now you're seeing rumors that the team you're talking to is talking to another safety. Well, I think generally it's, it, it, it could be true. It might not be true. So you try to do your own research on these things and figure out, okay, what, what do I really think is going on with this other player and does it really affect me? But yeah, so sometimes, sometimes we have to sift through that and, you know, misinformation is out there. You know, we see it with the draft and we see it with free agency and sometimes there, some, sometimes what's out there is nothing more than a rumor, right? Um, we don't know if it's true. So you, th- those are, those are things you got to navigate through. Yeah. Those are, those, those sometimes are, those can be tough. But of course, you know, with, with Twitter and information out the way it is, we all try to see what's out there. Like who's saying what, what's really happening? What is the team not telling me that I can learn on my own, but you do have to be careful because sometimes the information isn't accurate or sometimes it's being put out there for a reason and you don't want to fall for it. Yeah. You mentioned uh, misinformation, Andy. Now I, I kind of, I've always been interested to know, like how do you figure out like which players to go after and in, in recruiting before the season? Because there's, there's not a ton of information out about these guys. So how do you figure out which players to go after that you think will be successful in their college careers and then go on to have NFL careers? Yeah, that's the, that's a great question, Jack. Honestly, the, one of the toughest things we go through every year is how are we going to get our new clients? You know, where are they coming from? And, and typically that comes obviously in the form of, you know, draft picks. And we look for, um, I'd say about, you know, half a dozen new clients a year. That's sort of our goal. It's, um, you know, we, we don't try to take a huge class, but that also means that we don't want to sign guys that aren't going to make it. I mean, our whole, our whole job is who do we believe in? Who do we think can make it? Who do we think can have a great career? And sometimes those are big name guys, right? Sometimes those are guys everyone's heard of. Other times they're under the radar guys. Sometimes it's a guy that, yeah, maybe he's not going to get a combine invite, or maybe he's not going to be at a, at the Senior Bowl at the East West Shrine or whatever. And so you you have to try to figure out who to go after. And there's no to answer your question. There's no way to always know. But I think for us, it's it's about doing as much research as we can. And by research, I mean watch the games. You know, talk to people like you. I've seen some of your breakdowns and, you know, the way you take, you know, look at quarterbacks. And honestly, but people like you know, it's a separate opinion. It's someone other than me. Like, I trust myself as a scout only to the extent that I've been doing this 20 years, right? So I have a, I have a decent feel, but, but I'm also not a scout. And I don't spend as much time as, as other people. So, you know, there's, there's people that I, that I trust. A lot of them do work with NFL teams. You know, I'll, I'll gather information from contacts of mine um, throughout the season. Um, I'll talk to people that were in the NFL that are independent scouts and, you know, people like you who are, who are putting together opinions. I, I, I have to lean on those things as well. So I take all this information and I sort of internalize it, right? Um, I take, you know, all this information I'm getting from different sources and different people and myself. And then, we, then, and then, of course, I get the ability to then talk to these kids, right? If I get their phone number, I talk to them. Um, 
you learn a lot about somebody by by getting to know them, seeing what they're about. And this is what the teams do, right? With the all-star games and, and the combine and the interview process. And it's about character. You know, a lot of these guys have talent. Who's going to work hard? Who wants it the most? Who cares about the game the most? Who's passionate about it? You know, which, which guys are driven to succeed? You know, which guys are going to, when they get to the NFL, which are the guys that are going to, are going to put in that extra work to make sure they make it, whereas other guys have never had to really push themselves because they've always just been good. And so these are all things that we're trying to figure out, um, you know, personality, you know, again, if we're taking half a dozen guys. I want to, I try to, I try to gravitate towards the guys that I feel I'm going to have a good relationship with too. So, you know, trying to find the right guys is, is, is everything. Um, it's also not foolproof. I, I, we don't know the kids, you know, we start working with them in December, January, and, you know, sometimes you think you knew somebody or you thought you had a good beat on it, but you know, maybe they're not quite what you thought they were. Or they start training for the combine and you're like, ah, they're not, they're not, they're not putting in the time. Like, like I, I hope that they would. And so it's, it's an imperfect system, but we've gotten better and better at that each year. It's trying, trying to figure out who's the right kind of guy for, for us. You know, who can we, who can we sign that, that is, that we believe in that, that fits what we're looking to do. And yeah, it's like I said, it's not perfect, but just getting a, doing as much research as we can, you know, before we, before we sign a kid, that's the key. And with the research and everything that goes into it, I know that's that that's a huge part of it. But would you? I, I feel like it would be. It's. Ex- I don't know if this is the hardest part, but would you say it's one of the hardest parts to just get the kid on the phone initially? Is that one of the hardest parts about kind of starting this process? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can't recruit someone you can't talk to, and I know I'm not. I'm not being condescending. I, I'm saying you are 100 percent right. I mean it's you literally sometimes you just I could love a kid like I'm in Cleveland so maybe it's a kid at Ohio State it doesn't really matter the school but you know I could love the kid I could think he's great I can hear great things about him I can get scouting reports I can watch him I could feel great but guess what I may never talk to the kid I may never I may never get a response and that is true so much of the time that uh yeah I mean you know let's say I can do all the research in the world and I don't have a contact number um, kid doesn't answer. You know, if I do have a phone number, yeah, you, you can't, you can't make anything of that. So, and that happens all the time, Jack, it really does. It's, it's frustrating, but I think in our business, you're like, you know what, we move on. Like if I can't get a hold of a kid, I, that means I can't recruit him. doesn't matter how much I know about him, whatever it is. If I can't talk to him, I can't get anywhere. All right. Yeah. And kind of, you obviously have big classes each and every year. So there's a lot of guys that are getting to that point where, Senior Bowl, Combine, then the draft. Do you, This, I guess, is a two-parter. Do you ever have any idea when they're going to get drafted? And if you do, at what point? Um, you got a pretty good feel when you sign them, obviously. You know, you've got a sort of a range on what you think or what you're hearing. Um, are you referring more to, like, throughout the draft process then? Like, you know, yeah. like right now, obviously, here we are, like, middle of, middle of February. Um, do I have a good feel? I'd say I have a, I have an idea. Um, after the combine, I'll have a little better idea, you know, some off of how the guys test and interview and the medicals and everything. I'll also get a little more feedback from some teams that talk and this and that. So I'll have a little better idea. Then we'll get a little closer to pro day. Maybe I'll have a little bit better idea, but then one of the telltale signs I think is you have the ability to have the private workouts, right? you know, and, and this comes, you know, after the pro day, but before the draft, you kind of have that, 
that four to five weeks of, you know, teams can bring guys in for that, you know, for that, uh, what they call sometimes the top 25 visit teams can bring in those guys for, for an interview and medical plus teams will set up times to go look at a guy privately. So they'll call me. So those are things that we can't, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to draft them. And it doesn't always mean where, but sometimes just that interest level and what they're doing at those times is very telling. So, yeah, I'd say you, you, you get a better idea as the process goes, but believe me on draft day, I'm sitting there in front of the TV we're we're, 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 we're tracking each pick. We got our phones on us. We are, we, we, we don't know any more than anyone else. We got a feel for certain teams and certain rounds and, Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're not, but it's still like when that player gets drafted, it is exciting because you don't, you, you still didn't know for sure. And, um, you know, a lot of work goes in, obviously for us for four or five months, but for these, but for the client, a lifetime, you know, a lifetime of work went into this moment. So yeah, those are, the draft is exciting and it, it is still unpredictable as much as we start to get a good idea on the teams and some of the ranges of where they may go. But um, man, it's it's uh, it's what makes this process. Well, while while it can be tough, it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a really incredible like thing when you think about it. These guys, their entire lives working this hard, and then they get drafted. And for the last question, I gotta ask: since you're with Young Money, have you had any interactions with Little Wayne so far? <laughs> people ask me that. People ask me that all the time. Um, we have. He's he's not an agent, you know. We there's such a, and I think you understand this, but in general, I think we get so many, you know, sometimes parents, sometimes people not in the industry, sometimes potential clients that, you know, is, is Wayne the agent? Um, I even saw in our an article recently, um, we signed uh, DeAndre Baker, the corner from Georgia, who's uh, very, you know, first round talent and and hopes to go in the first round. I think he will, um, but. The article read um, DeAndre Baker signs with Little Wayne, uh, <laughs> with Little Wayne, and, and that literally was the headline. And I'm thinking that is that is not true. He actually signed with Andy Sims, who works with Young Money. But I get a kick out of it. But it also um, the answer is yeah, Wayne is Wayne is involved for sure. I mean, Young Money is his brand. Um, I was excited to be able to work with them. We got to meet when we did the deal. Um, he's involved to the extent that he he likes to know who the players are. Um, at the Super Bowl, we had we had a party where he came to and got to meet a lot of the players, some of the guys he hadn't met. But um, he he loves our business. He he got into this because he wanted to to pay it forward. And um, the people at Young Money, Cortez Bryant, uh, Mac Main, and and uh, and Little Wayne, these are these are guys that are really trying to do things the right way. And it's fun to be a part of that, honestly. And and you know, yes, the players like to talk to him. They like to be a part of that brand. Um, but you know, it's uh, we all kind of do our jobs. You know, his he's a musician. He's a he's a pioneer. He's one of the best rappers of all time. Yeah, maybe the best to many people. And we he he he's involved, but he lets us handle our our job. You know, we 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 decide who we're going to recruit and who who the good fits are, and we're we're the agents who handle the contracts and all that kind of stuff. So he's involved, and and uh, very grateful. It's it's a great to be a part of it, to be honest. Yeah, it seems great. Well, that's all the time we have. That was Andy Sitz from Young Money Football. We appreciate having you on, and good luck in free agency in the draft. Jack, I really appreciate it, for real. Thank you. You just listened to Inside the Gridiron with Jack Borowski on Podsource. If you liked what you heard, be on the lookout for more inside scoop into the NFL. 
Also, follow the show on Twitter at the gridiron underscore NFL for all things football related. This is Jack Borowski signing off.